This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's that time of year again where we talk Hall of Fame and the new names that are on the list this year. And a few old ones. A few Phillies. A few ex-Phillies. A few guys that... Might be on the wall of fame. And I voted for a couple, just to let you know. But I'm going to talk to my boy, Ryan Spader, who has a great idea that he has passed through a lot of the baseball alumni. We'll give it to you right here on Pine Tar for breakfast next. In the air to left field, going back on it. It is. What up? And welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. I am your host, Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. And my boy, Ryan Spader, at the Ace of Spader, is going to be joining me today. And we're going to be talking a little bit of Hall of Fame and something that he's done. And it's now the third annual ball player ballot. And as we all know, the voters, uh, which, look, I am in agreement that many of them should be there. And I'm I'm not going to sit here and say they don't need to be. Uh, but um, players don't have a voice in Hall of Fame voting. And I understand completely that it's never been that way. So Ryan decided uh, a couple years ago to, to put it in the hands of the player. And a lot of good things have come out of it. More and more players are getting involved. Some anonymous. I still don't think it, like, I don't get why you have to be anonymous in this vote for the Hall of Fame if you're an ex-player. Like, it, just back it up. I have my views. I, I mean, look, that's that's one thing. But it's an interesting talk. Obviously, Bobby Abreu is a new member of the Hall of Fame ballot. I voted for him. And yesterday, the Philadelphia Phillies put out a PR in defense of why Bobby Abreu should be in the Hall of Fame. I didn't need the defense. I just said yes, because I think from playing with him in Anaheim and watching him over his career, he's a Hall of Famer. Come on. No question about it. Bobby Abreu, Hall of Fame. Let's go. I don't know if anyone else agrees with me. I hope 75% at some point agree with me, but he's a Hall of Famer. Till then, let's talk to Ryan Spader. Ryan, what's up, dude? I'm doing great, brother. I'm really glad you finally had me on. Uh, I was starting to feel bad about myself, you know, because I'm sure you had Fransky on a bunch. but uh, Yeah, probably like six or seven times. Well, people love Scott. They love that. They love that voice. And so, you know, we all love the Texas guy. Uh, got to put him on. He is the main event. So, uh, yeah, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. It, I mean, it, like I, I'm giving you a title. I'm giving you a shot at the title belt right now. <laughs> so, well, I appreciate it. <laughs> now, 
This is the third annual uh, player ballot that you have done for the Hall of Fame. Guys that you have sent it out to, and hopefully that it's you know kind of done a, uh, a game of telephone and passed it along and seeing seeing how many guys can do it. We're at 49. I believe I was the 49th. I was supposed to be like number one, and I never hit send. I thought I did the whole time. I thought I hit send, and <laughs> you know this is impressive. And I and I want it. I I just want to get it to you. Give it to you. Give the floor to you right here, and just explain why. Why did you want to do this? Why did you want to get involved into this side of it? Well, to be honest with you, I was talking. I don't want to. I want to take all the credit for myself, but it's difficult because I was talking to Euclid like four years ago about how I don't think the Hall of Fame vote is done correctly, how I think that uh, baseball players and, uh, you know, alumni should have some sort of a say. And Euclid was like, yeah, that would be pretty cool. I, I kind of wish I did because, you know, he he owns a, uh, a brew pub now. Yeah. A brewery. Been and, there plenty um, of times. Yeah. He's like kind of, I guess he's kind of uh, separated from the game in a way. And he's somebody who definitely puts a lot of thought into his ballot every single year. And, um, when I was talking to him about it four years ago, I was like, you know, we're, we're going to do this going forward. And fortunately each year I've done it, I've gotten more interest. I'm expecting a lot more to come through this time around. And, um, this is the first year that I've really been able to invest real time in it because, uh, the previous two seasons that I did this or years that I did this, I was still in the military. So I didn't have, uh, quite as much time at my disposal. Well I, well, I would hope not. I mean, if you're in the military and doing your thing with the Marines, uh, I, I would hope you wouldn't really be worrying about the Hall of Fame ballot. Like, just, I was a little just, bit worried about it. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, look, the, the writers, uh, I, and, and you and I have had this discussion because I am in agreement with the fact that I think, you know, I, I like the writers having uh, some of the vote. I do. Um, I don't think they need to have all of it, but that's how it's always been. And there's some, and honestly, there are some people in it that are involved with the BBWAA or however you say it. Uh, I don't know why there's two Bs in, in the thing. But uh, with that being said, they put a lot of time and effort into it. And But the only problem I have is there are personal vendettas in there. And it doesn't matter about the steroid things. It's about guys, how they were treated. And I get it, but it's not. It, it, it shouldn't be the popularity vote, right? It should be who's a Hall of Famer, who is not, right? I agree with you. And one thing that I've noticed that the players do a lot better is, um, uh, I mean, I don't want to name any names, but, like, you know, I've spoken to a number of guys who didn't like uh, certain individuals on the ballot, but they're, like, at the end of the day, he's a Hall of Fame player. And that's what the Hall of Fame should be about. Yeah. Um, I, I, I understand that, you know, Kurt Schilling's not the most popular guy in the world. I understand that um, some people have, you know, a little bit, uh, have it out for Barry Bonds because of the whole PED argument and whatever. But for the most part, I think the players do a really good job at looking at that. I mean, like, hey, he was a Hall of Famer long before any of this stuff. Major League Baseball enabled him to do the things that he may or may not have done. And um, Major League Baseball needed Barry Bonds. They needed Mark McGuire. So did BBWAA. They needed those guys to report on to make their mo- uh, to make their money. Yeah. And um, sorry, but the one thing that drives me nuts about all of this is I've applied to BBWAA like a dozen and a half times. I've gotten rejected 
for some like loose reason on the grounds that baseball is not my main source of income. <laughs> it's such BS, man. And uh, like, stop soliciting yourself then, man. Like then you can make it your, your own. So it's good. But the thing I don't understand <laughs> is you look at some of these votes and, and I agree with you. Most of them do a really good job. Let's, let's even say 75%. Yeah. I mean that, that, that's a good number because I, I, I look at it and I'm going, these guys put, and, and women, put effort, time and effort into it. And I love the name behind it, right? I like when people put their name behind their vote because it just gives it a little bit more credence. It's just not, you know, people not, you know, kind of uh, uh, just going, like putting it out there and being like, uh-huh, I'm going to hide under here. No, just, just. Be a be a human being. Let everyone know what, what, what went on, what went behind your vote. And some of these people do a hell of a job of doing that. And again, I, I agree with you, but then we gotta realize that all it takes is twenty-five percent and one more person yeah. to ruin it for a guy like Barry Bonds. To ruin it for a guy like um let's face it, I mean Kurt Schilling would be in probably years ago. He was probably I, I would say he was probably better than John Smoltz with that postseason uh, resume of his. He probably would have been in years ago, but they just don't like the dude. They don't like Barry Bonds. I guess he didn't have the reputation for doing the PR thing, kind of like Scott Rowland, who I also think should oh. be in the Hall of Fame. Um, like he's... That dude at third base, Like when you think about third baseman in general, is he one of the greatest ever? No. Is he one of the best third basemen? Like, just the actual act of playing third base hell yes right and then but that's added, kind of the point <laughs> yeah i mean he he doesn't wow you in, in in every statistical category but he wows you as a player every single day scott Rowland to me was a hall of famer i really liked uh, what will omen said about scott Rowland, and uh that was he said that guy raked and he was a hoover at third base <laughs> dude i he would come in so i Playing against Scott Rowland for years when he was with the Phillies in 06. Was it 06? No, David Bell was in 06. Uh, Or he was with the Reds and the Cardinals, and you're looking at a guy at third base where he's down your throat, but his, like, legs would spread wide, and he'd get, like, his butt to the ground, and you're going, oh, damn. Right? Like, this guy's all over me right now. Like, I cannot get anything. And you couldn't get anything by him. He'd play way off the line over at third base, and he'd you're like, pfft doubles down the line and then next thing you know the big man's diving getting it and then just i i I would say his hand is being hidden by his forearms because they were ginormous well one thing on that this is somewhere that uh bbwaa has failed over the years is they pay a premium to um to the shortstop position for whatever reason over third base. It's considered a more important position for some reason than third base. And I understand that you're, you know, the quote unquote captain of the infield playing shortstop uh, as you were many times yourself. But to me, the third base position is really, it's just as important. You're talking about a 45 yard throw that you've got to make to from third to first base, now, of course you got to make a deep throw from shortstop as well. But you look at a guy like Roland, who was so good at third base, and then look at the success that a guy like Cal Ripken Jr. had. Now he's in the Hall of Fame for three thousand hits and the Iron Man and everything, but Ripken was like the same size as Scott Roland. Yeah, don't tell me that Scott Roland couldn't have played 
the first thousand games of his career at shortstop and done so with a ton of success, probably winning gold gloves and uh, then moved over to third base. And then maybe he's paid that premium that um, I'm talking about when it comes to shortstops because BBWAA has only ever inducted seven third basemen. That's Isn't one crazy? every 12 years. Isn't that it's crazy? insane. Oh, and you're going like, well, that, I mean, is Adrian Beltre a, a hall of famer? He should be a first ballot guy, right? Absolutely. So, you're, and you're looking at like, okay, Adrian Beltre. There's there's a lot of third basemen. I'm not saying that have his stats, but you're like, Scott Rowland is a guy like him, who should be in the Hall of Fame because he is that good. What is it like seven Gold Gloves? I mean, the guys are dick. Eight time Gold Glove winner, Silver Slugger, World Series Rookie of the Year, seven time All Star. Anything else? I mean, look. His years in Philly, you're going to look at like a guy like Kurt Schilling who spent most of his career, had most of his success, over 100 wins in a Phillies uniform. When he gets in, because I think he'll get in this year, uh, does he go in as a Philly? Or does he go in as a Red Sox and a D-back? Oof. I don't. I think he would probably do the no cap thing. I think that's up to the Hall of Fame. Do you, do you think that he's a no cap kind of guy, though? Uh, I kind of think he would go if he, if it was up to him <laughs> and shoot, I'll ask him and let you know. I, I kind of think he would go in as, as a member of the Red Sox. He's all about. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was a part of the, the, the biggest curse to be broken, right? I mean, he, he pitched with a bloody sock. Yeah. Let's well, go. that's another thing people love giving him crap about say it's catch up and <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, there's a lot of things that certain people get put on them because of personality and personality hasn't helped, you know, when it comes to campaigning, because you got to campaign for your Hall of Fame. I, I my my nose is grow, growing right now as we speak, uh, because that, that that's like my biggest thing. Why was I the biggest Lee Smith fan? Well, a because I met him and he was our pitching instructor and, and I was around him a ton with the Giants organization. And he was just phenomenal. Like, you talk about good dude. But he never campaigned for himself. And that dude was a Hall of Famer. He didn't do anything to try to promote himself. I I am not going to put this on Goose Gossage, but, like, the last couple of years, what was he doing? He was going everywhere, signing, doing, doing campaign events. Like, he had a Hall of Fame career. He didn't need to do that. But it, yeah. it's just like it, there's so many of these guys that they don't need to do it. Their numbers – their baseball play spoke volumes, spoke the Hall of Fame. Well, the thing with Lee Smith is um, I kind of look at him as somebody who paved the way, in a way, oh. for somebody like Mariano Rivera to have yes. as much success as he did. And I guess he falls shy of 500 saves, whatever that means. Because he was throwing he was throwing 100-plus innings every year as a reliever, right? Yeah. Almost, he's not, he wasn't throwing, he wasn't throwing one, he wasn't throwing, uh, one inning saves. They were, uh, they were averaging out like at one point, like two, six outs per, per save or, or, uh, innings per save. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that's not, that's, that's not right. Why? Because no, he was the best ridiculous. closer. He was unbelievable. So anyway, Kurt Schilling, you feel should be going in. What are the players saying? Um, so right now. Todd Helton actually just eclipsed the 75% mark. Uh, that's the one I find most fascinating because, of course, you get the whole Coors Field effect oh, when it comes to it. The guy raked. Yeah. And you you commented on that too. But 
the, the thing that I don't like when it comes to that Coors Field effect is you look at Todd Helton's adjusted numbers, and mind you, they're still really, really good numbers. And these adjusted numbers that have the park factor in it, right? Yeah. But what they, don't, what they don't factor in is that these guys are going back down to sea level, and they deal with what I would call the hangover effect, right? You're going from high altitude to sea level, and not only that, but you're seeing pitches that you're not seeing in your home ballpark at all. So it makes it that much more difficult to hit a curveball when you're traveling on the road yeah. and you look at these guys numbers throughout time, you look at the Rockies as a whole, right? Yep. Since 1993, when they were at a team, they rank first, first and first in batting average on base percentage and slugging percentage, but last, last and last when they travel and go on the road. Mm -hmm. So I'm either supposed to sit here and believe that the Coors field effect makes a team that was otherwise worse than the Pirates, who had two winning seasons in that span, the best offensive team in baseball, or a reasonable thought is, hey, there's probably an equal but opposite effect when these guys are traveling on the um, road. And look yeah. at guys like Chris Iannetta. Look at DJ LeMahieu, who has had so much success yeah. since he left Colorado. Uh, we found out that, hey, maybe his road OPS isn't what you should have been judging them on. And it ended up costing them a ton of money because he only signed for what? Two years, 24 million with the Yankees. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully he gets paid now though. Well, dude, with Todd Helton, you look at it, he had an 855 OPS on the road. That is, that's not just a normal guy, right? You're, you're looking at a well above average player on the road. Now he was a 1048 OPS at home, which helps out quite a bit, but, you still got to do it. Like you still got to look at the numbers and say, this guy was like a two ninety hitter on the road. So it, it, the cause and effect of like the course field, like you said, there's an adverse effect going to sea level sucks. I remember playing in, in series, right? Three, four game series in Colorado. And the moment you go away from there. Yeah. You might have some extra oxygen in the lungs and your, your legs feel okay, but the ball feels heavier. Right. For like a, a day or two, the, the bat feels a little different. You're like, whoa. Right. There's so many things that they have to adjust to that. That dude. Right. Not only that, let's not even talk about just the hitting. How good was he defensively? I was a stud. Right. And it's, it's so the thing with Helton that drives me nuts is that that cores effect. Right. It gets it gets picked apart. And. I guess Larry Walker kind of got a, a little bit more of an edge because he actually only paid 30 percent uh, of his. Um, uh, career games at course. Helton's in a tougher spot because he's at 50%. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the numbers that he had at Coors Field versus all of the Hall of Famers at Coors Field, his OPS is like 200 points higher than every <laughs> other Hall of Famer to bat in Coors Field. And then you look at what he did on the road. I mean, 287, 386, 469. Let's look at another Hall of Famer who uh, played back in the 30s at the Baker Bowl. I think it was 280 down the right field line. That's Chuck Klein. Mm -hmm. Chuck Klein at the Baker Bowl batted 395, which is 50 points higher than Helton did at Coors, 448, which is only seven points higher, and 705, uh, which is 98 points higher than Helton at Coors. 
decline was pedestrian when he went to, on the road, 277, 339, 451. And uh, I say pedestrian because you look throughout history. I mean, you got the late 90s, early 2000s, but that those guys in the 1930s absolutely ra- – everybody was raking at that point. Yeah, because they're facing the same guy every day, <laughs> right? I mean, like every guy that was coming out of the pen was, oh, no one because they just had the starter. And they might have had two or three starters, but, I mean, like that was it. So you look at like at times like, yes, they were a Hall of Famer then. Like that's here's the here's the problem I have. And, and this is nothing on you. It's just when we we talk about eras and then we compare and we say like, oh, the guys that are already in the Hall of Fame. It's like, no, we, we can't. It's just like what's in front of us now. Right. Because if you try to compare it against, you know, past Hall of Famers, the game has completely changed. We all know that. And not about the three true outcomes, but like you look at, you know, in what, 67, when the mound goes down and after Bob Gibson does what he does. Uh, I, I just find that the guys that have made it in the past, fine. Great. Congratulations. I agree with you completely. I'm, I'm firmly against taking anybody out of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, I don't care what we've learned about some of these guys and some of them or apparently not good people to begin with but the fact of the matter is it's a baseball museum right i want baseball history in there and um one thing that drives me nuts and you you know you talk about comparing to guys in the past right well look at a guy like tim raines a guy like larry walker a guy edgar martinez these guys all made it on their final ballot right Mm -hmm. so that means that there are more players eclipsing the numbers that these guys put up Therefore, if anything, by the 10th ballot, when these guys are getting in, they're actually less of a Hall of Famer because there's a bigger pool to compare them to. So that's why I'm very against like the whole first ballot thing. Yeah. Um, I, I hated the fact that people were talking about Mariano Rivera um, being unanimous because to me, that's celebrating BBWAA getting it right as a whole one yeah. time. One time. Ever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, they I, came to an, an agreement on something once. Is there, you know, through through your time, through what, three years of doing this, right, uh, and getting more and more votes as we know, uh, is there anyone that's been unanimous through all your ballots, you know, in, in year to year, not like through all, you know, all three years, who's unanimous each year, but, you know, individually each year? So Jeter... Last year, got I think it was like ninety eight percent of the vote. Was that one of them that didn't? No, the <laughs> only person who didn't vote for him was Eric Burns, and he said, "I oh. can't vote for anybody until Barry Bonds and yeah. <laughs> Roger Clemens are in the Hall of Fame." Yeah. No, and I, and and look, I'm I am in full agreement with Eric, and and he was my MLB prominent person in in mine, uh, because look. Playing with Barry, understanding as a fan of Barry, uh, yeah, there's his issues, I guess, when it comes to personality for some people. But that's not how he treated me, right? So uh, when you look at a guy, and I wrote it, and you could visit theacesbader.com, uh, I believe has all the ballots on there, correct? Yeah. And you can go to and follow Ryan Spader at the Ace of Spader on Twitter, and he has posted all of them with the comments available. Uh the the Barry Bonds one to me is plain and simple. Like, I don't care if you hated him as an opposing fan. You stopped and watched, and don't don't you t- 
Like, I love when people, oh, yeah, I always turn the TV off. Like, no, you didn't. You never, never turned away from the TV when Barry Bonds was up. Is that he Hall was Famer? absolutely the number one yeah. ass in seats, dude. Oh, my God. In baseball history. I would, I would love to see the, like, I wish they, there was, like, an analytic on that, right? Like, seeing, like, how many people left in the ninth inning of a blowout knowing that Barry was in? Well, Barry might not have been in the game if there was a blowout. But, you know what I mean? Like, knowing that there was a possibility of one more at bat from Barry. How many extra seats were, were warmed, you know, in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings? You know, throughout Do you remember? Career. They used to. Uh, cut ESPN used to just cut to his at bats oh, every yeah. single time. Well, they like following you know ESPN followed us for I want to say better of uh, three weeks. Uh, Aaron Andrews was like she became like a sister to the clubhouse because she was just in there all the time like hey guys what's up like I I think they were kind of getting annoyed because he went for a while without really hitting one. Uh, we go to Chicago. He doesn't play game one. I play left field for him in game one. And he is, I think, too shy of tying. Or no, 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 I take it back. He's three shy of tying uh, Hank Aaron's record. And (laughs) so I'm getting just ragged on. It was just nuts the whole time. Like just Barry's back up. And I'm like, yeah, it could be worse. And they like, by the end, they loved me because I was just talking, you know, so much trash back to him. You know, Later on, I play shortstop for Omar, and they're crushing me there in, like, game three. Well, game four happens, and Jock Jones will always be the one that will attest this to, to this. He was playing center field that day. Uh, Barry hit two home runs. Now, that's pretty cool. You know, it's just like a, it almost seems like a normal day. He hadn't played in a few days, whatever. He's resting up. Uh, the wind was howling howling in from center field. I'm talking so much that we're playing halfway in the outfield. I'm playing right field that day. Barry's playing left field. Randy Wynn's playing center. And Randy Wynn telling me, because it's the first start I've ever had in right field, he goes, hey, you don't need to step back for anything. Go in. Ball is going in. I'm talking it was not like 10 miles an hour. It's like 25 miles an hour blowing in. Barry hit one into the basket, and then he hit one on a Whalen. <laughs> and it was it was one of the most absurd things you've ever seen. Like when he hit it, I think the the Cub fans went nuts because they knew how crazy it was for someone even just to put it over a guy's head that day, and he did it twice. And that that to me is like holy hell! Like th- this guy was on a different planet. Well, the other thing that he gets uh, ragged on a lot for, I think, is the fact that um, his career high home runs was 49, if not for that 73 season. Yeah. But they, they weren't pitching to him in 2000. <laughs> they weren't pitching to him in 2002, 2003, yeah. 2004. I mean, he was 42 years old and bleeding all of baseball in walks. He had 43 intentional walks at 42. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was insane because all of us would be like, Look, there's some days where you're finally seeing like him be human, right? And get beat by a couple pitches and you're going, ah, all right. And he'd have no chance. But then next thing you know, game's on the line, four fingers, and you're going, oh, my God, really? Like, that's unbelievable. Like, not questioning him. Like, we understand totally what's going on, right? Like, we just like, uh-huh, yep, makes sense. 
Totally makes sense. But you know he's still, I, and I'm trying to pull this up for it right now as I'm doing this, but I'm pretty sure he's still the last player to be intentionally walked with the bases empty. <laughs> Dude, could you imagine? Okay, so I've had this discussion with uh, former teammates of mine. Uh, how many times, so, so I like the new rule of just say, just send him down, but I wish they would do it well, well before the guy gets in the batter's box and then send him down. Like, how many times would he have gone into the on-deck circle without a bat? In his career, well, like it's a it's a fascinating thought because they would just have sent him down to first base. Like, how many times would he be out there with the pinch runner right next to him, like late in the game, like late in his career? <laughs> like just knowing I mean, that's a great point. <laughs> he there's so many different things, and and I, I don't know. He, he's fascinating. It, it's just one of those things. I had to tell the story about you know, and you can read it at the Ace of Spader on uh, Twitter theaceofspader.com uh, find out the ballots of this I have a story about Barry Bonds and what he did I've told it a few times uh, on air and I and I, I never get it never gets old to me but Buster Olney was kind of chiming in today a little bit on uh, on my ballot and the thought of Tony Gwynn Ted Williams and Barry Bonds having a conversation at some point and he because he was talking about Tony Gwynn and, and, and his recollection of, of thoughts and, and things that that Tony had talked about with Barry, I'm going, could you imagine like the three of them having like this conversation in the, the hitting Twitter uh, world that we live in right now? I mean, they'd be running circles around people. It'd be amazing. Yeah. I can't even uh, like that's, I can't even fathom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So enough Barry talk. People are going to get annoyed with the Barry talk. I get that. Cause whatever. Uh, Bobby Abreu uh, yesterday. Bobby Abreu was kind of, I'm not going to say defended uh, by the Philadelphia Phillies, but the PR staff did a hell of a job and they brought out a bunch of his stats and kind of the defense of Bobby Abreu. Uh, Are you a Bobby Abreu Hall of Fame guy as I am, or are you not? So I'm definitely for Bobby Abreu getting in the Hall of Fame. And here's why. If you look at the numbers that we care about now, like Wade Box has a great quote. Uh, he, he said that I was playing um, Billy Ball, meaning, meaning Billy Bean, yeah. before it was a thing, right? Yep. Like he was taking his walks. He was, and some guys get a bad rep for that. I think Joey Votto gets the the crap about clogging the bases or whatever, but I I, I think that's kind of nonsense. Um, but Abreu reached base more times than Tony Gwynn in fewer plate appearances. Like that's huge in and of itself. Isn't that crazy? But then you look at the numbers, the home runs, he's got double. He's got more um, doubles. He's got more stolen bases. And this is not to, whenever I do this comparison, people get mad at me because it's like I'm talking smack on Tony Gwynn. And I think I'm probably the last person to do that because yeah. I celebrate Tony Gwynn as often as possible. Um, I think he's one of the greatest uh, bat to ball hitters in history. Yep. But when you're comparing, when you're making that type of comparison from Tony Gwynn to uh, Bobby Abreu, this is not to besmirch Tony Gwynn's name in any way. It's to bring to light a player who was really underappreciated um, for his career. Yep. Yep. All right. So during his best 12 seasons, 98 through 2009, Abreu played in more games than any other player. How about that? That, that, that's a thought 
that I don't think a lot of people can really wrap their, their heads around. He was second to only Barry Bonds in walks, and Todd Helton in doubles, was tied for third in stolen bases, sixth in extra base hits, seventh in hits, eighth in RBI, and war, he was at 57.3 in that 12-year span. How about that? Like, that to me is – like you're, you're looking at a guy who – oh, man, he made the game look so easy. The way – just how relaxed he was at the plate – how hard he got down the line, how well he played the outfield until he got a little bit older. But the the one thing that I will always remember is that guy ran the bases better maybe than anyone I've ever played with. But, I mean, it, maybe second to, to a Larry Walker and playing against, right? So one thing that uh, on Abreu is he finished his career, and, and you mentioned the walks, right? He finished his career with 2,470 hits. Right, mm-hmm. fourteen hundred seventy-six walks over eighteen uh, eighteen seasons. Um, I have a really difficult time believing that somebody with that level of speed, somebody who stole thirty bases over and over and over again, couldn't have just laid down thirty bunts a season <laughs> and leg and legged them out for um, singles but he would have been a less effective ball player yeah. than he was taking his walks. How about he had, he has the most seasons of 60 extra base hits and 20 steals nine Barry's next at eight. Uh, I think it's Ed uh, Delahanty had seven. Willie Mays had six. How about that? Then yeah. I mean, so if you take, you're if, you're, my own stat to me. if you're, if you're taking <laughs> Andre Dawson, Vladimir Guerrero, Tony Gwynn, Reggie Jackson, Larry Walker, Dave Winfield, all right, those guys with Bobby Abreu. Bobby Abreu's on-base percentage is second to those guys that are already in the Hall of Fame. His OPS is third. I mean, his doubles is first. His walks are first. His stolen bases are first. And his base running war is first. Like, come on. Like, there's... You don't need to have like these incredible arguments for him. Just lay out his stats, whether it's the analytical metric ones that you want to throw out there, or just throw out the you know the the bubblegum card ones, right? The baseball cards, and show them, and see is that guy a Hall of Famer? And the check marks to yes. So one thing on that and the back of the baseball card stats that I think kind of go against Abreu is you look at the back of his, you know, his, his tops card. There's just not that much black ink, right? Yep. Yep. But that's because he did everything. <laughs> I, and, that, and that's the biggest thing to me is when I, I, I think you and I've talked enough about the hall of fame and about hall of fame players. Uh, when it comes to, you know, like a guy like John Smoltz to me, I love being in there because he did it all. Like he, he, Obviously a great starter, but he was a reliever, close, dominant closer. Uh, so that's a Hall of Famer. Guy did a lot, right? He did everything. Well, when it comes to a base, like to the position player side, I want to see, like, unless the guy is absurd offensively, and, and we're going to see it with David Ortiz, right? He'll probably get in without having to do anything defensively. But the overall player, like Larry Walker, how good of a baseball player was he? Oh, my God. 
Like the everyone I've talked to says the best base runner they've ever seen. Obviously had a cannon. We know all this stuff offensively and stuff, but that's the stuff that I love to hear about a player, a Hall of Fame player. How good was he all around? Well, that's the stuff that I like hearing from you guys because you were on the field with these dudes, right? Yep. Uh, and I always, I always tell, and I probably said it to you before, but you know, I, I don't consider myself a, a media person or a journalist or any of this shit. Maybe I shouldn't get into BBWAA. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a baseball player who sucked. So I had to figure out another way to be involved with the game because I love it. Um, and for me, this is just one way that I do it. Well, the way you're doing it is you're giving a voice to a lot of a lot of guys that appreciate it. I think there's an appreciation level that we have for a lot of things. And look, I am I'm all about, you know, getting the right guys in there. I understand the morality issue, but look, uh, if we're going to be doing this, we're going to be we're going to be picking apart so many past Hall of Famers, right? Guys that are already in and we'll go back and we'll dig in and be like, look, well, this guy was doing this and this. Does that make him a Hall of Famer? You know, like it, it, there's there's so, so many things, so many questions. But I love the fact that you've given a voice to the player, to the former player in voting. Does it matter? No. In the grand scheme of things, no, because we're never going to be able to have that choice. But you've given us that opportunity for others to see what we, you know, what we think and feel. Well, I- I, I appreciate that. And another thing there that kind of drives me nuts is when I first rolled this out, it got um, it, it, it was featured in Forbes and uh, Wall Street Journal. Uh, and um, you're bad. Ever since then, <laughs> nothing. Right. Nobody yeah. wants to talk about this because it, I, I don't know if it makes BBWA look bad. I don't know if they have some sort of and I, when I say they again, 75 percent of those guys are great. But they stick up for each other, right? A lot of times. I don't know if there's some sort of agenda <laughs> against yeah. what I'm doing here. Um, but I don't think the current method is one that's beyond reproach. And I kind of like poking a little bit of – poking some holes in it. And I, I like doing this stuff every single year. I, I enjoy talking to you guys. Like I said a million times, dude. I'm a baseball player. Yeah, but like the, the other thing too is that like – you you brought it up earlier. The guys that don't get the you know the the fight was it the ten percent vote or whatever it is to stay on the ballot, and you're like Johan Santana lasted one year. Now it's is ridiculous. he a Hall of Famer? I don't know. I don't I don't think so. But he shouldn't have been. He should be on the ballot for a lot longer than one year. Should be given a lot more thought. And there's plenty of players throughout history, right, that have that 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 whole ordeal. Um, and you know, hopefully at some point we'll see. The right guy is going in, and I, I just need to know what's your prediction. Not not about who you would vote for and all this stuff, but what's your prediction for the twenty twenty one class? So I think we will see Schilling get in, and I think we're going to see Todd help. I think the fact that Walker got in is really going to help um, Helton. I think we're going to see a huge uptick for the numbers. Now the question him. is: Does Peyton Manning give Todd Helton his? Enshrinement speech. That's a good question. I, I got to be honest. I don't think I've. I've did, is Peyton already in the Hall of Fame? I don't even know. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, the fact that, like, Peyton Manning was the starting quarterback that pushed Todd Helton to be. Oh, shoot. You're right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, pretty that's good choice. pretty good. Yeah, pretty good that's choice. That's pretty good. Yep. Yep. So you got yeah. Schilling, Todd Helton, 
And uh, anyone else? I think that's going to be it. I think Bonds and Clemens are going to hit 70, and then they'll get in next year. Do you think gonna... Do you think they actually will hit 70? Yeah, 70%. So I think they they're just going to fall short. What were they at this last year, 54, 56? I thought they hit 60. No, they hit 60. They hit 60. Yeah. Uh, so you do think they get to 70. I, I would look, again, um, I'm more advocating for Barry – than I am Roger Clemens. I'm not going to sit here because it, it just, look, as a former teammate, friend, I feel like guy I can text, uh, I'm going to defend him. And it, I, I hope it happens. But I also hope, I hope Bobby Abreu, I, I hope we see this this uptick with Bobby Abreu that we're like, uh-huh, this is, this is a fact. This is, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, and I hope people understand that. And a Scott Rowland, uh, I'm on the side of. So uh, with that being said, I hope you're wrong. I hope there's more. What do you mean? <laughs> well, I hope there's more. I hope more guys get in than just two. Oh, I hope I'm wrong too. I, uh, that's why. I, I I'm I'm for it. Like I said, it's a it's a baseball museum. Why don't we have more famous baseball players in it? It's it, it's like a it's supposed to be a cathedral, right? It's supposed to be this this whole place that we go to and and like. You just know that there's kids that have gone in there going, well, where's this? Where's that? Like, let's celebrate. You're going to celebrate all of Barry's accomplishments with a locker in there or, or you know, multiple, you know, uh, you know, de- depictions of, of, of 7056. So why is he not allowed to be the hall in the Hall of Fame? Because he is a Hall of Fame player. That, that, that's always the stuff that I wonder. So let me ask you this, though. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you coming on Pine Tar for Breakfast and talking about the Hall of Fame and the player ballot that you have developed over the last couple of years and giving a voice to all of us. I appreciate it. Visit Ryan on Twitter at the Ace of Spader, and you can go to his website, theaceofspader.com, and look at all the good stuff that he has, especially all the ballots. Thanks, Ryan. No, thanks a lot, brother. I hope you'll have me back, uh, maybe when we wrap all this up. When Bonds gets in, you're in. All right. That is Ryan Spader at the Ace of Spader on Twitter, and he is phenomenal. Throws out stats throughout the year that are not you're just like normal. Well, this guy had three hits. No, it's uh, pretty insane. Like uh, Tony Gwynn could have gone over, I think it was like 1,501 and still have a career batting average of 300. I mean, that, that, that in itself makes him a Hall of Famer, I think. Uh, but thanks to Rye, he is awesome. He is passionate about the game. He's passionate about the voice of the player, uh, the post player. And, you know, look, the, do I matter in this game? No, I'm just a, one of 19,237 guys to play. Um, but I'm a, a piece of it. I'm a piece of the, the history of why not be able to be heard. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, there'll be more talk as hopefully there are announcements of Hall of Famers and possibly ex-Phillies Hall of Famers going in. Until then, I hope you guys stay safe. Wear a mask. Peace. Kevin France out of here. It's
It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.